for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon into the 11 o'clock hour. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Ben Kirchival on the Big 12. And about 11.25 or thereabouts. June 15th is the day that they get to uh, resume uh, athletic activities. That's also the day that... Well, high school baseball and softball will begin play uh, here, here in the state of Iowa. Practice began last night. A uh, number of things on our next guest plate that we want to speak with him about. He's our friend Rob Luther, head coach of the Baxter Bolts head football team. Was going to coach one of the squads in the Shrine uh, Bowl that was postponed, not postponed, it was canceled uh, last week. And he joins the program. Hello, Rob Luther, Trent and Ken. How are you? Trent and Kenny, how are you guys doing today? Hanging in there, my friend. Good to speak with you, and thank you for finding some time for us. So let's do the Shrine Bowl first, and then we'll get to the here and now with baseball and softball, and then what it might lead to in the fall and how close people are paying attention to what happens uh, in baseball and softball pursuant to the next um, uh, the ne- next year's sports. But the Shrine Bowl, Rob, I know you and your coaches at least had to, and some of the players got to spend some time on Zoom. You know, you did some th- during the whole COVID thing that seems like so long ago. Uh, um, you know, you got to do some normal things. Uh, but how difficult was it to inform everybody that this is not going to happen in 2020? It was kind of harder than you think because, you know, my staff and I, we spent a lot of time choosing these kids, communicating with the kids, uh, spending some time, met a few of them, know a few of them. And it was kind of that one thing. I think they were all still just maybe grasping a and maybe we could get that opportunity to play since so much had been taken away. Um, and especially once the baseball softball kind of came back, I think a lot of the kids kind of thought, well, that just means we'll get to play, not realizing you're dealing with two completely different entities and really some other problems. The, the biggest problem is really you and I and the food service and the dorms and just some of that stuff. But that was tough because, you know, taking away, it's a great honor for those kids to play and not getting that opportunity. And for a lot of them, it'll be the final time that they were going to play football. Out of a normal roster, do you know, what is it, 80 90% of the guys that go on to play college football at some level, D3, even NAA, whatever it may be, do you know how many of those guys, though, on a yearly basis, that is their final official football game that they play? Yeah, I know on our side. I don't know about the North for sure, but we took 46 kids and only four of them weren't going to play this year, but I think that's a really large number. I think a lot of our kids were, were headed to a lot of places, so they'll at least get to strap it up and put the helmet on again. But um, for, for a handful of them, for sure, it would have been you know that last time. So that, that's tough for them, and it's really that experience that I, I don't think they'll ever grasp how awesome that week week is to, to, to meet new faces and right. build those relationships and talk, you know get to know some of the Shriner kids and just that whole week was unbelievable the last time I did it so that's just tough for them they're going to try to take care of them they're going to get a game jersey and the program oh, and good. the t-shirts and all that stuff and they'll always go down as, as a Shrine Bowl 
uh, participant or, or person that got to play. And we're going to try to do something next summer, I think, to recognize some of those kids that are around at the game as well. That's great. Rob Luther, Baxter Bolts, uh, head football coach, uh, and uh, Shrine, uh, part of the Shrine Bowl, of course, who's going to coach this year. So take us into the week, Rob. It's from where you know, a lot of people sit, yep, we know that there's the game. We've heard about the game. But you know, really, there's more that goes uh, along with this? I don't think a lot of people understand just, you know, that it culminates with a game, but it's the, it's the days leading up to it. So share a little bit more of that, if you would. Absolutely. So I had the opportunity to be an assistant back in, in 03. And one, as I would say, is the coaching relationship. So those stabs of five and six guys, um, there's guys you've always looked up to or people that you knew but didn't know them real well. So you build those coaching relationships all through the year. But then the kids report about a week out, um, get up on campus, stay in the dorms. But the Shriners do an unbelievable job of uh, all of these opportunities within the kids, whether it's a cookout. Back in the day, we went to the I-Cubs and Adventureland. It kind of the biggest uh, probably activity is they bring – we went to the Shriner Hospital back in 03, but now they bring the kids up to the Unidome, hmm. get an opportunity to spend a couple hours and have lunch with kids that, that are a little less fortunate and maybe didn't get the same path as these players did. Um, and then they actually come in, the ho- people from the hospital, and talk about prosthetics and talk about the burn unit. It just really opens those kids' eyes uh, about, you know, kids that are struggling and how we can give back and, and just that opportunity to spend some time with those kids. That's kind of the highlight. And, of course, the parade and the game is, is, is awesome, too. But it's really that whole week of just relationships uh, both on and off the field. For you, though, you get to be the head coach again next year, 2021. It'll be your head coaching again for the South. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's hmm. it. It'll be the first time double years. Uh, and I talked to Coach Pizzetti, who's working with me, and Coach Wharton, who is a sense. Those guys have already committed to stay, and I hope they all do, all the guys that I asked. We put a lot of time uh, into just the groundwork of this, but I hope they get that opportunity from a coaching staff. I've given them that opportunity, so hopefully it'll work next summer. and. We get to get to spend that week together up at UNI, and I'm sure they'll find a way to do it. It's a great, great time. And when you say Coach Pizzetti, you mean Coach Ryan Pizzetti, right? Yeah, yeah Coach, Coach Young Pizzetti. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, you have to be a head coach to be a, an assistant first in the Shrine game. So once they moved to co-coaches over there on the north side, I've known Coach Pizzetti, one of the mentors and guys I've looked up to for a long time. Great I do. Man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and know Ryan, too. And I wanted to give Ryan this opportunity. That's and great. Really to be selfish, to learn from him a little bit and some of the things they do up there and feel what I can feel. Hmm. Well, if you talk to him again, tell him hello from me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Pizzetti family. Uh, so, Coach, let's, let's move on. Ba- baseball and softball in a minute. But since we're talking football... Um, and I guess maybe this goes hand in hand with what we're about to talk to in baseball and softball. But once we do get to August and, you know, you guys are getting the football team and practice is going as you guys will begin play prior to the college football season. At least that's uh, certainly what we all want to see. How closely was it, will everyone be paying attention to what goes on with baseball? And we just lost, I believe, Rob Luther. We'll get him back. We can get him back again because I have to imagine – um, that there will be so many eyeballs that are looking very closely as to what's gone right, what did we do right, maybe what can we have done differently by the time we uh, do get to the uh, fall months. So let's get Rob back in here. Rob, uh, how closely will um, 
of administrators, etc. Yourself, be watching. Put on your administrator hat, knowing that you got to put on your football head coach hat uh, here come August. But what can we learn from baseball and softball that maybe we can take forward into August uh, in this climate we're living in? Yeah, I think we're going to look at a lot of things, both at the local level and the state level. I, I really believe this is kind of that trial to see, especially an outdoor sport, maybe a little less, uh, you know, social contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're going to watch this pretty close. I would guess, guess both levels to just see what works, what doesn't work. Is it doable? Is it doable with the kids? What's the spread look like? Um, I, I think we're, we're really under the spotlight with baseball, softball this summer. It's uh, certainly going to be a different circumstance for a lot of people and people that are making the decision to go to the games. The social distancing for you as an administrator, is it up to you to, you know, it's a couple of families that are friends, but they're different households saying get a little bit of distance here. What is it going to be for you, the athletic directors, the people on the seat in the administrator role working to help people out with the social distancing? Yeah, I I think that... um we don't know, obviously, every step we take, every time we do something new, it's the first time. Um, I feel pretty good in a small district, a small town where everybody knows everybody. They're not threatened if you come over and say, hey, can we just get a little bit more space? Um, we're trying to model here. Hopefully we build enough relationships with our people at Baxter that it may not be um, as tough a deal. We're going to uh, you know, take away the bleachers or no bleachers. We're going to do lawn chairs. That'll put people in some space right away. Um, I don't know about bigger districts where you're walking into maybe, uh, you know, a Valley Dowling game and it's crowded mm. already. And I, I think that it's going to be probably different with each administrator on or administrative team on what they want to tolerate, what, what hill they want to die on, how hard they want to push on certain things. Um, it's just going to be different. And until we really do it and see, you know, what, what happens, we were on a zoom Sunday night with all of our players and parents and, there wasn't a lot of questions. Everybody was just excited to get back. Um, I think in those first few days, it'll be pretty receptive if there's anything going on that we need to fix or work on. Um, so we just want to put our best foot forward on this stuff, guys. Uh, Rob, what was it like um, You know, prior to the green light being flipped on? I mean, apprehension, a lot of nerves. I mean, nobody wants to... S- I feel horrible for you know some of the uh, sports that uh, graduations for crying out loud didn't get to walk for your diploma. But was there a um, fear? Maybe not the right word, but a- apprehensiveness. Um, I mean, you just didn't know until the governor finally—he's not finally—but came out and said that summer sports will be a go. Uh, was there? A, was the thought process was this is fifty fifty or boy I just don't see this happening. Brace yourselves, I don't think it's going to happen. What was where was Baxter and where were some of the other high schools teams and high schools uh, prior to the announcement being given as far as what they thought might happen? Well, I think it's a great question. I think it depends on what which group of people you were talking to. So when I was in, an, in my admin group, I think it was pretty bleak. We didn't really see how this was going to happen. Um, a lot of questions. When you talk to the kids, you know, they were ready to go. I mean, and I, I'm so excited for them to get this opportunity and not lose this last thing. I think the coaches were probably in that boat as well. Most coaches were. Um, but administratively, we, we had some questions. We, we've had a couple gatherings at Baxter with a parade and just trying to come in for a last walk. And I'm telling you, it's been a challenge to keep these kids social distance. When you're 16, 17, right. you kind of think you're invincible. Um, and that's 
you know, that's a little bit of a concern uh, to me. I can be honest. We took, after we had our senior group together, uh, we took, I took personal calls on both ends, one from parents thanking us in this opportunity and one for frustrated that the kids were not as social distanced or the mask mm. situation. So my, my concern heading forward is still going to be, we, we don't have many people riding this line. You're, you're either on that one side or you're on the other. And I, and I think they're going to be vocal either way. Rob, as you look forward to football season, getting the players back out there, getting ready for the season, what are some of the biggest hurdles you see on the football side? We've talked a lot about baseball, not a contact sport. There's still going to be, obviously, people in close proximity. But football, you're tackling each other. It is going to be certainly different on that side. What are some of the biggest hurdles you still look at as you look towards football? Yeah, just a lot of question marks. I think one thing that we've talked about with our school board is is maybe even calling them COVID coaches. I think that we huh. do so much coaching already and managing already. Um, we actually have implemented that in the summer. It's a junior high coach who we, they lost their season, so we've really just made them a COVID coach for the players and to help our coaches with that type of stuff. The the you know the disinfectant and the dugout situation and spitting and all those things that they're hoping we can accomplish. You add football to this mix where you know it, it's it, you've been in a locker room, guys. You know what that what that equipment looks like and mm. smells like, and, <laughs> and on top of that, you're you're tackling each other every day and on top of each other every day. My biggest question, Trent, will still be what happens if what happens if yeah. a, if we, if a kid comes down with COVID and, and are there, do we have to sit for X amount of days? Does the entire team have to sit for X amount of days? But I think a lot of that's going to happen in baseball. Cause I, I mean, I'm trying not to be a pessimist, but the chances are somebody around some team is probably going to test positive. Then what are we doing from then? And I, I sure hope that, that we can just have the season, give these kids an opportunity. And like I said, if baseball softball goes well, we have an answer to those things. I'm sure we're going to proceed in the fall. I'm going to at least give this thing a go. And I'm just excited to get the, my, my coach hat, not principal hat, says I need to get back with our guys. I need to get in the weight room with our guys. We hmm. need to get them. I mean, who knows what they've done the last couple months just mentally and emotionally. we we got to get them back to some normalcy. Not a get-back coach. Not a go-for-two coach. <laughs> a COVID coach. Rob, it's, no. it's, it's spot on. COVID coach. Yeah, no, I think COVID that's great. Coach. Uh, that's the here and now that we find ourselves in. And you're right. There is nothing. Well, I'll speak for the sport that I know. Where, there's nothing more distinct in a bad way than the smell of the uh, the hockey equipment bag. I mean, woo, to high heaven. You'll never get that out of your nose. Rob, thank you, man. No. Uh, good to talk to you, Coach Luther. Appreciate you coming on, as we always do. Disappointed for your staff. More disappointed for the you know the players that won't get to put that those pads on ever again. But uh, at least on your squad. And a good number of them will. Uh, but we'll talk to you down the road, Rob Luther. Thank you. Always train, Ken. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Rob Luther, head coach of the uh, Baxter Bolts and was to be the head coach of the South team in the Shrine, the South squad in the yep. Shrine Bowl. He'll be able to do it 2021, but... Did you know all that, all the, the week leading up to the Shrine Bowl? I did. I've had some friends uh, yeah. in high school that played in it, so I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, when I was at and I did a little bit there, too, and uh, got to see kind of some of the different things that they do. It's it's a really great event. I know it does a great job, and it's funny. That was during the summertime. That thing would pop up, I remember, in high school mm-hmm. and seeing it, and like, oh, there's football. Right. Oh, there's, there's football on in July. How great is this? And uh, where it is, but certainly understand the circumstances. Oh, sure. Just 
you know, especially for a one-off game type of this, just the difficult nature of trying to pull it together for this year. Yeah, and um, you know, it'll be back in two thousand. I, I I wasn't aware of all the 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 entire week and mm-hmm. the camaraderie. You know, meeting guys from other that you played against or from small towns or whatever mm-hmm. uh, to be part of their team, and then for the Shriners and the uh, the kids. Uh, for that the Shriners would bring up there to to be part of it. That's pretty pretty cool event. My dad was a Shriner. Oh, really? Yeah, I was a Shriners. Um, is that the one with the hat? The Fez. Yeah, the Fez. The Fez. Right. Yeah, the Fez with the the tassel on the side of yeah. it. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We will uh, we'll get into the Big Twelve. We've talked about the Big Ten. We've talked high school. We haven't done the Big Twelve. We'll do that before. Well, when we come back from this break, Ben Kirchival, CBSSports.com, will join us. They've been given the go ahead as of June the fifteenth. 15th to begin athletic activities throughout the Big 12 footprint. But Bob Bowlesby, uh, you know, Doc was talking about the difference between Barta and Pollard. and Which I thought was a really good point, just their personalities yeah. compared to the way that they're going through this. Mm-hmm. It, it is... If you would have said it on the surface, you probably would have thought it would be the opposite way that they're actually treating this. Right. Uh, Jamie Pollard's been um, in front of this the entire way. Yes, he has. He's done a terrific job on it. Um, but, yeah, but his commissioner of his conference kind of, when he came out last week and said, they're preparing for a stoppage in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've got contingents, and I'm sure the Big Ten does oh, as yeah. well as everybody does, but that was the first time I heard a conference commissioner say that, you know, we've got a contingency plan if we have to shut down the season for two or three weeks, um, that we're prepared to do that. So we'll talk to uh, Ben Kercheval, who covers the Big 12 amongst some of the uh, other duties for CBSSports.com. When we come back, we're taking you until noon. Murph and Andy come in here today, as they always do at 2, then the Fanatics at 4. Uh, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station. It's about 21 minutes past the hour 11 on 1460 KXNO and 106.3. In building. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Take you up until noon. Let's talk some college football, shall we? We'll focus on the Big 12, but we'll move around a little bit. Ben Kirchival, one of the many staff members over at CBSSports.com. Uh, ben uh, does a lot on the Big 12, does a lot on a lot of things uh, as he joins the program. Ben, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Ben Kirchival. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, Trent tells me you're in Cheyenne, Wyoming, to start the week. Um, what, right. It's it's a nice. I've been to Cheyenne. It's it's. It, I mean, it's okay, right? It's not far that far from Denver. You kind of do get that in some respects that Wild West feel being in Cheyenne. Yeah, it's uh, well. Parents moved up here last year, and we just fiance and I said, you know what, we need to take a break from staying in with uh, everything related to COVID-19. So let's get out and, and see some family. And uh, we're in Austin normally. So uh, mm-hmm. this is probably as good a time as, as any to, to get out um, just in general. So we, uh, we're up here seeing some family. And, you know, it's okay. I would say for sure Fort Collins is beautiful. way better. Yeah, yeah. Fort, Fort Collins is way better. We That's like 40 minutes down the road. Yeah. We get to Fort Collins whenever we can. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Fort Collins fan as well. They've done a nice job with the upgrades at uh, Ram Stadium around the entire area. They've done a nice job there. Yeah, yeah, they have. It was uh, we're big fans of that, and uh, just the downtown. We we really love Fort Collins a lot. So we'll we'll be up here in Cheyenne for a couple of weeks. So we'll try to make a visit down there again for sure. Well, Ben, I uh, saw Friday of last week, and certainly it feels like a different time even going back to Friday uh, when Ken and I were last together. But mentioned we wanted to get you on the show. I know you wrote a little bit about name, image, and likeness as that continues to be one of the many issues that are out there. What's the latest on that side of things? And it continues to at least be the 2021-22 calendar, school calendar year that that's going to be in place. As that continues, there are just so many hurdles. There's so many aspects of this that feel like the great unknown. How is this playing out in your mind? And how quickly will we have a resolution in knowing what it's going to look like by the time we get to next school year? Well, so that was a a pretty major headline to come out of the offseason, but because everything in college athletics is in the sports world and just globally in general, because everything has been related to COVID-19, this is probably the one time where a significant moment um, in in college athletics related to name, image, likeness rights and and, an athlete's ability to monetize that. This is sort of the only time where it it gets buried just a little bit. Um, But you go back to April when the NCAA basically said, okay, we, we support a proposal from the working group um, for athletes to be able to, to monetize on, on their brand and all of that. But, the, but what that really amounts to is kicking the can a little bit further down the road. Um, obviously, there's a lot of guardrails in place. One of the, one of the things they, they really want to make sure is that, okay, we're, we're very, very clear that it's not a pay-for-play, that we want to try to protect the, you know, the sanctity of the recruiting process, chuckle at that you know at your own will right but you know they they lay out those type of guidelines well when you're talking about the ncaa uh, obviously it's a big bureaucracy there's a lot of of red tape associated with that and but one of the things that they wanted in this process was to engage with congress to basically create a, a safe haven that would protect you know then through legislation nil national legislation uh from basically being sued uh, by, by any point in the future. So that's just them trying to have a little CYA. But the thing is, you know, you want to have these rules written by October. You want to have it passed by January so that it goes in effect for 2021, 2022. That it might seem like a long way off, but it's obviously not. And then you couple in the fact that Congress has to deal with COVID-19 stuff right now. Obviously, you have a lot of riots. Uh, you have a lot of um, uh, you protests going on throughout the country. Some of them are turning violent. It's a very precarious time. There's a lot on everybody's plate. And so what you had last week was was Power Five commissioners basically sort of leapfrogging the NCAA a little bit and yep. saying, hey, look, we're putting our, ourselves out there on our own, saying, hey, look, you need to take a look at this quickly and act, and act timely on this. And the significance of that is not so much the message. It's the fact that they basically went out on their own separate from the NCAA. Uh, ben Kercheval is our guest. Ben, I know SEC, uh, I think it's a week from today that they can begin voluntary workouts. The Big 12 is June the 15th. Do you think every school will take advantage of that or will? Because I've seen Lincoln Riley, didn't he? Wasn't he first to say July the 1st at one point? Yeah. Is Oklahoma going to be with everybody on June the 15th or will every school handle this differently, do you think? Yeah, so, so Oklahoma is July 1st. Yeah, July 1st. 
uh, is when Oklahoma is coming back. And and so when when the so the NCAA last month said, okay, the um, moratorium that we have on athletes coming back for voluntary workouts, we're basically just going to let that expire at the end of the month. So that would have expired uh, yesterday. And so, so starting June 1st, starting today, uh, conferences and schools can decide what is going to be best for them. So that means it, there's no uniformity on this. Schools are going to come back when they feel it's appropriate to come back. And that reflects the fact that you know, COVID-19 has no prejudice on state. It's different from state to state, different from town to town. Um, and so, you know, you can talk about Oklahoma being July 1st. You could even talk about the fact that, you know, Michigan, Michigan State are not necessarily adhering to the exact same standards as, as other Big Ten institutions because Michigan has been hit very hard by this virus. So I think what you're talking about over the next several months leading up to the college football season, yes, on the whole, I think everyone wants this thing to start on time, but I think it's reflected in the fact that I don't think any two schools are necessarily going to be doing the exact same things. And how does that translate into the start of the year? Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said on TV Sports HQ last week, actually, that, look, if, you, if you're looking for uniformity, if you're looking for a level playing field, you are not going to get it in 2020. You're just not. Yeah, I think Bullsby's done a terrific job. He's been in front of this, and you mentioned that piece on CBS HQ last week. He also said that the Big 12, and, and probably all of the Power Fives, and maybe all of the conferences have this plan in the back of their mind, but, but they're fully prepared for having to stop the season at mid, the midway point or at some point during the season. Bullsby said that they've got a plan should that need arise. Well, I think the plan is you see it when you see it. I mean, I, I don't think that this is something where they go, all right, we're going to, you know, three, four or five months out, whatever it is, we, you know, we have this contingency plan to, to halt everything if we need to. I mean, I think they probably have some basic ideas, but I don't think that they have a ton of details because this is something that everyone has just kind of been flying by the seat of their pants with. I mean, there's not a lot of, of instruction in terms of how to deal with something like this. Uh, so when they say that they have a contingency plan, I think that's true on paper. But in terms of how do you actually deal with that, I, I, I'm not sure. And, and you, uh, you have to kind of see it when you see it because you get to a certain point in the season and say, okay, outbreaks are so widespread, we just have to shut this thing down. Or again, you might be talking about things where Iowa State plays 11 or 12 games, but Texas Tech can only play eight or nine. I mean, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's not going to be uniform. You know, Ben, I, I continue to look at your hometown there of Austin and just the difference, the way the city is, forward-thinking in a lot of aspects, but then things that are going to be handed down from the governor, how different it's going to be in West Texas, like you said, in Lubbock, compared to a place like Austin, like compared to a place in different parts of that state, just on and on and on. The hurdles that are here, we're seeing it in our state. We're pretty similar across our state, but the way the athletic director, Jamie Pollard at Iowa State and Gary Bart at Iowa, are going about things in Texas, boy, it feels like you, you could be talking about a lot of different things and a lot of different ways that this universities, these universities play out. Yeah, and you know, I was just talking to a spokesperson for uh, University of Texas and Texas A&M the other day because you know, Abbott, you know, Governor Greg Abbott mm-hmm. in Texas, he said uh, pro sports can return and you can have 25% stadium capacity. Well, in Texas, and in Texas A&M specifically, those stadiums are 100,000 people. So you're talking about, okay, up to, call it 25,000 people. Uh, you know, are you going to be able to allow that? And both of those 
uh, university said, look, we haven't heard anything on that front. These things often change on a whim, but you know, so far we have no expectation that we're going to hear from that anytime soon. So you might have football being played. Uh, university of Texas, I, I think, is going to be open in the fall. Uh, but I, I, are there going to be people in the stands? I, I'm not sure. I think a lot of Power 5 institutions are comfortable with the idea of playing football without fans because, yeah, you'll take a financial hit. It won't be the absolute worst thing that will happen to you. You can weather that storm. Uh, but, again, if you're talking – testing and tracing is the biggest thing. You could test and trace your athletes, your coaching staff, your trainers, your, you know, everything associated with that. When you start talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in the stands, testing and tracing, it, it, is, it is impossible. And, uh, and it's, not, it's not just a, we will assume the risk. No, you're talking about the spreading of this thing with an incubation period that does not match the normal flu. Uh, ben Kershaw, Ben, my last thing for you, because I know when college football ended last year, CBS Sports assigned you uh, to the XFL, which got off to seemingly a pretty good start. I think that, you know, sure, the numbers were going down, but they weren't going down as precipitously as we've seen, you know, some of the other le- startup leagues, uh, if you will. Do you think it ever comes back? Uh, I know that there's lawsuits now, and uh, that, that's going to get ugly. Luck and um, McMahon, are they're, they're going to settle this in court. But did you enjoy the XFL uh, experience? Did you think it has a chance, and will it come back? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, you know, they have bidders up now. So it, when it basically went bankrupt, because, you know, Vince, so Vince takes out a whole bunch of money, takes out hundreds of millions of dollars. To, to finance this operation because he's the primary stakeholder in this. Well, then, you know, obviously stocks take a major tumble with the start of COVID-19. You have what you feel are two years of liquidity to get to finance this operation. And then at some point, then you revisit your uh, media rights negotiations with your television partners, in which case would have been ESPN Fox. And then you, or, you know, you take it to the open market and you kind of go from there. Um, but obviously, with, when your liquidity dries up as fast as it does, then you just say, okay, it's going to go to bankruptcy, and it's going to go to you know whoever wants to bid out on this. So you probably have, at this point, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of a dozen bidders. So I, the possibility of it coming back, sure, uh, you know that this was something originally they wanted to come back in 2021. I don't think that happens. I don't think even if there's a new owner that it comes back uh Anytime they, they will say 2021, I, I would be surprised if it comes back in 2021. But the possibility of the XFL giving it one more go down the road, yeah, I, I certainly think that exists. Final thing is we'll get you out on this. CBS uh, going through the preseason top 25. No surprise, Clemson at number one. I know your colleague Chip Patterson's working on that piece and uh, going through the teams. As you go through, it feels like we're becoming more and more year after year. There's three, four, maybe five teams that can win a national title. With everything else going on, have you started to dig into what you're normally doing? It's June. Start to really dig into the teams, or do you feel like you're so far behind actually getting ready for football season? Well, I mean, we've, I don't know we've been behind. We've been churning out content in terms of the story right now is COVID-19 mm-hmm. and, and how it affects the upcoming season. Well, a lot of... Uh, Programs have not had spring practices. If you know, sometimes you couple in a new coaching staff. So I think you're you're talking about the fact that the upcoming season is, I, I think, has a chance to be kind of wonkier, just in the fact that again, not not every single team is going to have the same shot going into week one that they would normally have. So 
as far as you know what that means for the upcoming season, I, I think teams that are maybe a little bit more veteran, a little bit more seasoned, have a lot of juniors and seniors coming back, probably have a little bit more of an edge than ones who are going to be maybe you know pressured to play a lot more you know younger players normally or have some depth issues. So I, I think that's going to be your storyline for the season. You know, diving into you know the, the rosters and, and who's coming back. I mean. Uh, the reality is we just don't know what a lot of these teams even kind of look like because there hasn't been a spring. And so I think when you get to preseason camp, whenever that is, I, I think you're just going to, you're going to be seeing these teams basically for the first time. And I think when you get into the season, you have to expect that there's probably going to be some uh, real fugly football for like the first four or five weeks, because they're all just trying to get it together basically for the, for the first time. Ben Kirchival, Ben, uh, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thanks for interrupting it for Trent and myself. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you, Ben Kirchival, CBSSports.com. Interrupting a lot of vacations. Yes, we are. Bad today. Well, it's that time. It is that time. What are you telling me? Are I need we, a vacation. Oh, okay. Um, you doing a vacation? I don't think so. Time off? I don't think so. I'm trying to think. Well, I'll have to take another day off when my wife has surgery. Um, haven't had a vacation in a while. No, it's been a long time. Where are you going to go? I don't know. Atumwa, nice, nice. Waterloo, there you go. Uh, what? Uh, Not ben, real far. No, it doesn't sound like it. Ben Kershaw, you know Scott Dockerman. He's onto something here with these the one off bowl season, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. It's, use Kershaw. Iowa State plays eleven or twelve games. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech plays eight or nine. You gonna punish them? No, you're not gonna punish them. So you can get to the six win threshold. Sorry, no. ESPN's gonna need programming. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't go to the Liberty Bowl, or maybe you don't go to the out or wherever, um, the Pinstripe Bowl. Maybe it's Nebraska and Iowa State in St. Louis, sure. or Iowa, Missouri, or Iowa, Oklahoma State. Put some of these kind of conferences that are close geographically Regionalize together. It. Yes. For this year. You don't have to call it a bowl game, call it an exhibition, call it whatever it is. Absolutely. You know, the part that he had mentioned is, you know, we've seen many times the Big Ten and Pac-12 have kind of got together Mm -hmm. on some things. Now, that's more difficult because the Pac-12, it's out there on kind of its own island. It's so separated from everybody else. But you make a three-game challenge with the Big Ten and the Big 12? Yes, so for superiority, that's your, your you top it, three okay. or four teams. Yeah, they're going bragging rights. Not that it means yeah. a hill of beans is just going to kill a segment on talk radio, All right? But or in a bar, you do that and you put it in Kansas City and St. Louis and Indianapolis. All right, three mm-hmm. regional t- mm-hmm. type games. We'll play them. It'll be our fifth, sixth. So and you don't have to teams. have a roof over the stadium. You're willing to well, go to Arrowhead? Maybe you can figure that out. Okay. Not the easiest thing, but just something, something because there's going to be a lot of people that will not be going. But if you can keep costs down, and it's a bus trip, or yeah, in and, and out, and get that influx of cash to the conferences yes. that come along with bull bids, because let's be honest, school athletic department budgets, there's gonna be shortfalls, no doubt. You're seeing that in a big, big you way. You really are. We'll take a time out, come back and finish the program. Miller and Condon with you every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 1.0.0. You just need to care. Dr. Stephen Fuller, FullerDental.net. There's a whole new list of procedures that you guys have to follow, Dr. Fuller. How has that gone? It takes a little explaining of what we can and can't do. Uh, at the end of a cleaning, our hygienist or one of my assistants has to explain we can no longer polish your teeth the way 
way we used to, and we hope it goes away at their next six-month recall. FullerDental.net. You can find them online, all the patient forms. You can find them at East 29th Street in Des Moines. They're in Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona, FullerDental.net. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, final few minutes here on a Monday. Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds, we will carry her press conferences. We'll continue to do so. She's cut back to twice a week now, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 o'clock. So tomorrow at 11, we will hear from Governor Reynolds. And then Thursday, of course, same spot. There is some news uh, pursuant to Polk County. Uh, this from KCCI's website. I'm sure all of they've got, uh, all of the uh, locals have it. But uh, this, I'm on KCCI.com. Polk County mandatory stay-at-home curfew continues Monday. Curfew runs from 9 p.m. until 5 a.m. And that's until further notice. So something that very well could continue for a yep. while. It will be interesting to see what it looks like tonight as we're off the weekend. Uh, Sunday night for a lot of parts is still considered mm-hmm. to be the weekend, if you will. And and now what it'll be as people get back to the work week, get back to a little bit of normalcy here, uh, what we're going to see in terms of crowds, people gathering, and, and even organized activities that are going to be out there if that's something that at least uh, slows down. But as we talked about at the top, it is still about change, about bringing about real change and something that... Uh, Difficult conversation. It is. It, it has been, and it, it continue to, will be going forward, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, I saw the... I was uh, on Twitter during the break, and I, I saw the new normal when it comes to... The Hoover Huskies softball team mm-hmm. was doing their breakdown after practice, you know, and they used to all get in their group, oh, yeah. one, two, three Huskies or yeah, whatever, yeah. right? They're, they're all doing it six feet apart. It's a huge circle. <laughs> And they're they're doing their huskies the breakdown after practice. But look, as, as we had Rob Luther on from uh, from Baxter early in the program, um, high school football is relying on high school baseball mm-hmm. and softball in a big big way because we're, people are going to be watching. Administrators uh, are going to be watching how Iowa is able to get through these two air quote summer sports in anticipation of playing high school football this fall. Yeah, you're kind of, it's a test case of it what, is. what's going to go yeah. right, what's going to go wrong. You're talking about numbers, and that's another component. We talk about how big football is, driving the engine of college sports. It's very similar at the high school mm-hmm. level, too. And it's not just the valleys of the world that gets 10,000 there. Southeast Polk with 8,000 people inside the stands. It's the little guy, too. Those Friday nights yes. for those small communities, that's a gathering spot. Yeah. That is... A lot of times, one of the few times you see some of your neighbors, uh, people across town, people you went to high school with, it, it's a social event. And if that goes away, we're not there in the same capacity when you're charging five, seven, ten bucks a ticket. Mm-hmm. That adds up very quickly. No, you're right. And it's those small schools. I mean, Friday night, Madrid, the entire community comes mm-hmm. up. I mean, all of them. I yes. guess I'm not singling one out. I guess I just did. But it, it, it's everywhere. And you're right. It's sure there's more coffers at Valley or Valley or Dowling, but they need more, mm-hmm. bigger budget. You know, when it comes to uh, thinking about, you know, Rob was thinking about, he was going to put his administrator hat on. What are the hallways going to be like during? You know, class change over at Valley High School or yeah, some of these big schools. Something that has continued to be talked about. Um, I always look at it from the side that I know best because my wife talks about it at Des Moines Public Schools. But 
at the elementary level, that's going to be incredibly difficult. Mm. You're going to be more than likely shifting times. You're not going to have all the kids going through the hall at the same time. No, 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 no. You're going to have adjusted. All right, you're you're part of this group, so you leave five minutes early. Then the next group goes, and then five minutes late, and whatever it may be, to get through there, cut those hallways down. And then the other thing that they might very well do is just days off, and you're not going to have the sheer number at Valley. You know, it's almost 1,800 kids walking through the hallways there on a given day. Maybe cut that down to 900, and it's day after day, week after week. So a longer school day, but you're... No, more than likely it would be day on, do your work from home. Oh, I see. Or even a week at a time. This week you're doing distance learning. You're doing it from home, and that's Uh, how you're doing your classwork. The next week you're actually inside the building. Mm -hmm. That's something that has continued to be bandied about of figuring it out. Because you're right, 1,800 kids Mm. versus 900 kids. Right. But whatever level you're talking about, whatever high school you're talking about, the elementary level, though, that becomes a lot more difficult. Because high school kids, they can take a week off and they don't need mom and dad at home. Right. Yeah. Next year, Ella's going to be in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Well, she's not at uh, school this week. Are we just going to leave her at home and do your social? Yeah, of yeah, course you're, not. You're in charge. <laughs> right. You'll have to show. You'll figure it out. I'll see, I'll see you at 1215. Yeah. You'll be all right. It doesn't quite work that no. way. So you get into another whole group of circumstances when you're talking about elementary versus middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. It's it just, it's a mess. No, it is. You know, let's end on let's end on sports just for a second. Go back to the uh, what's being proposed by the uh, Players Association and the, and the owners. The players put in their proposal that they're willing to have their all-star game and a home run derby at the end of the season. Trent, what's the worst by, not even close, worst all-star game of any sport is what? NHL? No, well, it's bad too. The Pro Bowl. Oh, the Pro Bowl. Who watches the Pro Bowl? The Pro Bowl is at the end of the season. Yes, yeah. Your season's over. Mm -hmm. You're not staying in shape if you don't make the playoffs for the most part, right? You don't care. This isn't a real event. This is this has absolutely no chance of happening. So you're going to tell me that you're going to an extended playoffs. You're going to have extended playoffs. You're going to crown your champion. Let them have their parade and everything. And then you're going to get one guy back from every team to comprise an all star team. And you're going to have home run derby before that. And the pitchers are going to throw ninety five miles. Forget the fact he hasn't thrown in six weeks. That doesn't matter. He'll be fine. He's got an inning in him. I mean, come on. That's absolutely ridiculous. That will never, ever, ever. We think the Pro Bowl's bad. Can you imagine watching an All-Star game on Christmas Day for baseball? Might be a, a couple of guys going out there throwing two or three pitches. That's, that's all I got. Yeah. Sorry, Skip. That's never going to happen. Anyways, well, it's, they're talking. I think yes. that's the good news. They're talking. Players want to play a whole mo- bunch more games than the owners do. Which June 30th, side will is that palpable at all? If they get it done Well, today's week. June 1st. It is. Um Get it done this week. I wonder what the drop-dead deadline is. What's the deadline in the players and in the owner's mind to have a deal? There has to be one. Well, and I think one needs to be put from one of the two sides just because you can go back and forth forever. You but don't want to get off the pot. You've yeah. got until June the 4th. If there's no agreement, we're not playing this year. Deadlines work for a reason uh-huh. because you get both sides to work towards right. the middle. Right. There's a reason they have them. Because they work. Indeed there is. All right, that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you for being with us. If you get a chance, you want to listen to the podcast, Trent and I put our feelings on what's going on out there, and I think from the heart. Um, Murph and Andy today at 2, the Fanatics at 4. Of course, the morning rush. We'll slide on in here tomorrow at 6. Again, a curfew in Polk County at 9. Be safe. Be kind. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.